Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. What's first in our heart? And this verse says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Seek to understand what is seek. It means to aim or strive after. First, in order of time or sequence, before I do anything else, first. Hey, what is up, everybody? Good to see you all. The Vision event is next Sunday, 7 p.m. It's going to be powerful. We're reading the Dream With Me book. Does anybody in the room not have this book that would like it? This is yours. Anybody here? Boom, that's the first hand I saw raised. Sorry, that's over. To, can you, we'll get that back over there in just a minute. So that book is there um, for you. And then if you need to... If you want to get the book, but you don't have the resources, reach out to us. That's how much we believe in it. We'll pay for it. Someone's hearing that like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, we will. We believe in it so much. Uh, Today, before we get started, there's a huge disclaimer. There's a parental advisory before we jump into this message. This isn't the cute and cozy Valentine's, but this is where we're going to talk first love. But in order to talk love, we believe that in the household of God, the ecclesia, we should not be entry level. What I'll share will feel R-rated to the church, but it's G-rated to the world. So if you got a moment right now and you don't want your kids to hear this um, at home, just just where you'd probably turn it off if you got young bucks in the room or something. But if you want them to hear it, uh, I think the stuff I'll share is palatable more than when you're watching the Super Bowl and a commercial hits and it's pretty graphic and then trying to explain. There's things our kids learn in school that is so intense from their classmates and from their teachers. We need to be able to talk about love in a, in a godly, honoring way and just get real. So we're ripping off the mask and we're getting down to the nitty gritty and talking today about love. Today's titled, We Are One With Our First Love. Our six-year-old twin, um, one of them, his name is Kingston, and he comes up to us. It was me he came up to first, and then eventually we had a family meeting about it because Kingston goes, hey, Dad, so, like, if you and Mom aren't together, I get two houses, right? I go, what do you, Kingston, what do you mean? He was like, well, your mom and your dad, they got different houses, and Crystal's mom, or mom's mom and dad got different houses. And I said, oh, buddy, that's not what they wanted either, but life has got all kinds of ups and downs, and Crystal and I are doing everything possible to make sure you don't have two houses but one. But what he asked was a fair question we should all ask. Marriages end at a failure rate of over 50%. And guess what? That statistic isn't for those outside of Jesus. That statistic is for those in Jesus. 
And we met and we talked as a family, as anyone else thought this or anybody else felt this fear and, and, and just started to create a, a, a careful place, a, a safe place that our kids can ask and talk to us about these things. Because I don't know how you've had the talk in your life, whether it came from your parents or it came from the world, but eventually the talk, the idea is shaped from somewhere. We get a worldview of the three-letter word, S-E-X, sex, which then we also get a worldview of the three-letter word, S-I-N, sin. And then we get a three-letter word, uh, worldview, which is G-O-D. And then we try to think, okay, how does God, sex, sin, how do these things connect? What do I do with it? If I'm single, if I'm married, and, and, and we got to go back to our upbringing because our upbringings most of the time have shaped where we're at as today, as adults or people watching um, as adults, I would say the fair amount of the audience is over 13. So back in biblical times, I mean, 13, you're an adult. <laughs> and, I, and one thing to know is the world has, is totally okay recruiting us in this area. The world was totally okay recruiting me at eight years old, introducing me to sexual things. The world was totally okay recruiting me at 10 and then so on. And Crystal and I, we teach this in marriage class, which is this lie of Victoria's Secret versus the lie of Disney World. Now, the lie for, for men is that everything is going to be like Victoria's Secret. I mean, look at the ads, look at the TV. And then, and then women feel like, oh, I got to add up to that. And then we don't have self-worth. And then guys aren't set up to, to win correctly because then they're thinking, well, that's what it should be like. And then women, uh, just a stereotype for a second, they're watching Disney World. They think it's going to be the knight in shining armor. who's going to be like a poet and have everything right and listen. There's going to be 13 uh, non-sexual touches per day before we would even think of getting sexual in the day. And then now we have these chaos, this worldview coming together because we have ideas that are shaped from culture. We aren't sure what God's ideas are. And then we say, well, I want to be healthy and I definitely want to be in relationship or, or if I'm not in relationship, we don't know why. And most of the time that comes from hurt or shadows or we've been framed from the world. So today is not to shame us Today is a time where we go back to first principles. We are one with our first love. Where did love all start? Where did the story begin? What is God's dream? Did he create marriage or did the world create marriage? Which one? Let's look at it. Let's go back. Do we have a picture? Well, all of us in Jesus, it's actually one big wedding story. And, and where I know that we all got to grow in these areas, because as soon as you start talking about relationships, even in the crowd, I can see a little bit, people are like, oh my gosh, is he saying that? Is he saying that? What do you say in your mind? I guarantee it's worse. What do the commercials say? Guarantee it's worse. I know what fifth graders tell our kids at recess. It's worse. So let's go back into God's big picture of where it all began, the love story. God's uh, story is always a love story. Any relationship should be built on love, not built on shame. So here we go back to Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Wait, everything's good. Only one thing wasn't good. That the man would be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. 
The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird of the sky, and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. Genesis written in a narrative perspective to tell us about the origin. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman. For she was taken from man. This is why... This is where we'll rest right here. This is the text. This is why a man leaves his father and mother in bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Let's settle, rest right there. Keep that text up. One flesh, naked, no shame. Where are we at today? Broken. Many pieces. Clothed. Filled with shame. So to even understand relationships, to get the picture of first love story, we go back there. The talk God has with us first is a good one. It's a good one. It's not a picture of shame. It's a beautiful one. It's a picture of love. It's a picture of helper. It's a picture of connection. It's a picture of unity. It's a picture of covenant. I had a couple friends recently tell me their talk looked like this. Dad handed them a bag of condoms and said, good luck, boy. Another is uh, one of the moms told the kid, he was hanging out with a girl and mom looks at him and says, hey, you got to try it before you buy it. What was your talk? Mine was Beverly Hills Cop at eight years old. Then it was, hey, maybe the neighbors want to, you know, play strip poker. Sounds fun. And you start to hide it hidden. And then shame and brokenness. We were meant to be open, honest, talking about this. Well, of course, the fall has impacted things radically. But this topic is so sensitive for real reasons one of which is the damage that sex has caused, the domineering that's taken place, men doing things that are wrong. We're seeing this play out in society, the whole Me Too, that so many people have been shamed where they can't even share. Men that aren't equipped on how to lead well. Women that feel like they want to be loved so badly that they'll do what anything. And and, and all these things that are taking place privately Before, 82% of people that are molested take place before the age of 18, and one out of nine women will experience some type of molestation. And then when people come to the church and they're like, hey, I want to understand, how how do I process my desires? How do I process what's happened to me? And 
we, we shame people. We're like, don't do that. Don't touch this. Don't, do, don't look at that. And we're just telling a bunch of don't. We never, we never said, hey, God made you with desires. He wants to unlock them. He wants to give you a safe place to talk about them. There's no shame. And we start judging people's sins. This is very complex. Love is very complex. There's no way on a Sunday during this 30-minute window we have that we're going to solve all of it. But I hope today that we can undo some of the damage that the enemy has done and create a healthy place and soil for love to grow in a holy way that God can lead us in because it's God's picture of love. That's why we are one with our first love. When we're in Jesus, we're one with him. It's a marriage story. And for all the people that have been hurt by the church or hurt in their homes, hurt from misrepresentations of people that didn't live godly, that's a huge I'm sorry on behalf of all of the wickedness this world has impacted many of us. But the effects of shame and sin are not from God. He's amazing and beautiful and gentle. And he knows us deeply. I mean, he knows all of our thoughts. So much so that we're all in the same boat. That even if we lust after somebody in our mind, it's as if we committed adultery. So what Jesus is saying, hey, it's a level playing field, friends. We're all broken and need to be restored back to what? Restored to the the garden, the sacredness with God, naked, no shame. This is beautiful. Now, to put love in its proper context, maybe a good illustration is fire. And if I had a lighter right now, picture I got a lighter. Like I'm lighting the lighter and some fire's coming out of it. Well, you could use that to light a bonfire, you know, get it going. You could use it to light a stove and you could use it to light a cigarette. You could use it to light all kinds of things, but you definitely don't want to use it to light your house. You don't want to burn your house down. You definitely don't want to light some leaves in the forest and start a forest fire, right? Fire is really good when it's in its appropriate use and setting. Love is really good when it's in its appropriate use and setting. Sex is not something, here's what the world says, sex is something that, 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 that we can just kind of uh, um, engage and if we want, but, but, it, but what the world does is it takes a piece of us. When God's love, he's reshaping that when we think of love, it's actually, a, it's, a, it's a sign of commitment of giving. It's a sign of commitment of serving. It's a sign of commitment of God's glory in his kingdom that we should not ever be alone. It's not something that we just exchange or it's a late night or somebody slid into our DMs. And, and, and why we all feel a little bit of unrest right now is because we're all guilty. We've all failed. In our mind or in our actions, in some way, shape, or form, we are broken. And we got to say, okay, well, look, I, I got this fire. What do I do with it? Well, if you can't contain it, we'll talk about that in a second. But this fire that is good when it's in its appropriate use. If we're lighting a fire in the home, we're going to hopefully do it in the fireplace. We're not just going to do it on the floor. We're going to do it in the right setting. And this is how we got to shape today. And number one would be that God created this love story. He created marriage. If you're taking notes, he created marriage. He created sexuality. So therefore, if God created it, sexuality is good and it's spiritual. We want to separate the two. No, it's just an act of flesh. Well, we're going to get in a moment that when we sin against our body, we're sinning against the Holy Spirit. Our body is the living temple to God. We're sinning against God. 
And you can't hide from God. Some of the best counseling I've ever gotten in these areas was when some of my friends started to say, hey, just, just tell God everything you're thinking. Like, everything? Yeah. Tell her if you, hey, you notice that, that, that girl's super pretty. And then God will reshape it because that's his daughter. It's not your wife. You already have a wife. And so how do you reframe and reshape it? Well, take it to the one who made it. Don't hide it from him. He already sees it anyways. Our sins already condemn us. But God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to not condemn the world, but to save the world, to bring us back to that naked, unashamed, beautiful place. So we see that it's a product of creation, marriage, and sexuality. It's not a product of culture. It's not a contract, but it's a covenant. Secondly, with God, when we are one with our first love, uh, love is naked. God's love is naked. You can't hide. So you can come into church, but you can't play church. You got to be the church and you can't just play with God. He sees it all. He sees it all. And number three would be, so we are one with who? It's where the rubber is going to meet the road. Lean in. We're run one with Jesus. I'm one with Jesus before I'm one with Crystal. Why is that important? Because I don't need Crystal to complete me. But when I'm struggling, I, I for sure want her to complete me. But marriage does not complete. When we're one in marriage, marriage is a pressure cooker. It's a sanctifier. You want to be face-to-face with your brokenness? Get married. Get married. But for us in Jesus, we're already married. Even before we're married, we are one with Jesus. We're married to him. We're the bride. He's the groom. And one day, there's going to be the great wedding ceremony when he comes back for his people. So that's how we can now understand that, that there's not, we're not ranking marriage and singleness. There's not the A team and the B team. When I played high school or uh, middle school basketball, there was an A team and a B team. And the B team was total. <laughs> I mean, you're on the B team. But in church so subtly, we start to esteem marriage to the place where marriage, 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 and then we don't speak to our singles as well to coach, love, cover, safe, work through the ideas that have shaped us from a childhood. And it's important to know singleness is a gift because you're married to Jesus. It's also a sign of being one. It's not some second tier experience in Christianity. And for some, they might devote their whole life to say, I am single to God. That's what you see with monks, priests. But we've also heard enough uh, issues people that live that way without having an exit strategy as well. So it's noble to be single, but it's also noble to talk about desires and then put, put, our plate, put ourselves in a position to, well, then how would I if, I, if I do desire to get married, how would I be pursued? Or how do I pursue? And, and then how do we reshape that? I think the first thing we got to do is start asking the right questions. 
Who shaped us? Was it Victoria's Secret or Disney World? Who shaped us? Was it a a good father or a bad father? Who shaped us? Was it an ad that comes on during the TV? Or was it when my kid came home from school and he said, Dad, I heard this, this, this? Or was it when we saw our kid, they had to get interviewed because there um, there was this case that took place at school where one of the kids was talking really bad to one of the girls and, uh, and one of our children was the witness and then heard things that, that had only come from certain rap songs that these kids were listening to in elementary school, right? And then here we are trying to pick up those pieces and say, no, here's God's view. It's not, you know, it, it's really tough. It's messy. This is why it's so tough. And it's not going to solve instantly. And that's what we want. We want microwave love. Come on. It's just transactional, late night, what up? This microwave quick, in and out, I'm gone. It's not how it works. So we are one. First, singleness is a gift from God. Singleness could be your lifetime, and, um, but, but, but it's not permanent because one day we will be married to Jesus. Like the church will be united. Okay, so it's a symbolic thing. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 7. This will give confidence for those that are in the room, not married. And for some in the room married, they might say, please, Stay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Marriage is good. Marriage is good. We love it. 15 years and counting. Come on, somebody. Uh, I wish that all people were as I am. Here's Paul saying. But each has his own gift from God. It's where singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. One person has this gift. Another has that. I say to the unmarried and to the widows, this is Paul. Paul is, he's persuasive. He's not saying thus says the Lord because we know that the storage of, uh, story of marriage began all the way in the beginning. But what Paul's saying is, hey, this is gonna cause you a lot of damage in this, uh, on this planet and it, just be as me. I'll be unmarried or to the widows. It is good for them if they remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, they should marry since it is better to marry than to burn with desire. Burn. The passage continues in verse 28. Look at it. It says, however, if you do get married, you have not sinned. Paul has to remind him. He's so persuasive. He's like, I'm doing this singleness thing. I'm on team Jesus all day. I look at these married families. They look like their life is crap. But, but by the way, I wanted to also tell you that if you do get married, you have not sinned. Well, of course, because it was all the way good in the back in the beginning. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned, but such people will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. <laughs> it's okay to be single. Paul's reminding you, just, just stay that way. Unless, so. And then secondly, we are one. Marriage is a sign that we are one. It's a picture of God and his church. We point to an eternal kingdom. It's a sign and a wonder, the same way you'd think of somebody being raised from the dead. If somebody was rose from the dead today, we'd be talking about it. Look at our marriages as sacred, please. Our marriages are as sacred as a sign and a wonder. It's miraculous to show that Christ is real. But you know what the world is not needing? Is for us to be fake and act like everything's easy. Crystal and I, one time, we're going on a marriage retreat. One of our family members were like, what are you doing going on that? Is everything okay? I was like, well, one, we're gonna, we've went through ups and downs, number one. But number two, this is how things stay okay? But I, I recognize previous generations could never ask for help. It was so taboo. But look at the previous generations. How many love stories do you want to be like? Sorry. Probably not a lot of them. For any of us. 
I hope our kids have a higher example than Crystal and I's love story. Theirs is going to be even better. We get to talk about them. Like, you know, I, 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 uh, confession, I swore the other day in our house, okay? So I swore the other day, and it's so fun. And, um, and it was in the appropriate context. I wasn't swearing at somebody. So I, is swearing a sin fully? I'm not sure. But, but I grew up in a household where the F-bomb's kind of like the. And uh, so swearing, so, so th- that's what it is. And and it's still kind of, we even, yeah. And then you go to, you know, work at a car lot, you play sports. It's just, it's just a way of life. You, you feel me? You go in church though. Wow. You want to get kicked out quick. Why don't you swear? But um, the, whoever swears, I, I want those to be my best friends. But, but the kids, they check me. And, and one of the kids was like, dad. I'm like, oh, my bad, my bad. Because they check me because they recognize, they don't even see it as permission to, to, to sin for them. They say, no, they recognize, hey, dad, we've been raised differently. And we love how we're raised, and we know you were raised differently, but come on, watch your mouth. <laughs> For real, this is happening. Ask Crystal offline. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> they check me all the time. Don't say dumb. You can't say stupid. The only word I really, the biggest swear word, you know, for me, um, here's a little uh, vision event promo. The only swear word for me, the biggest swear word is this, can't. I can't. That's the only big swear word um, in, in my book. Um, number four, all right, so now what do we do? We, if we know it's good, we are one with our first love. We are one, if we're singles, we are one in marriage. And, and let's not expect, if we've had compounding marriage, marriage issues, it will not get solved overnight. It could be a lifelong process. Sometimes where there's abuse, uh, there's separation that needs to take place. There's counseling, there's therapy. There's all types of things that will happen. This is why this 30-minute window can't help. But I hope today is reshaping and framing that it's okay to talk about this stuff. Because four, we have desires. We all have desires. We have some type of desires, but here's how the desires look with Jesus. Desires of love wait and they initiate. They're very clear. It's not confusing. Why? You're giving me mixed signals. No, no, it's very clear. It's not confusing. Love is intentional. It's consistent and it's not instant. Whose love is like that? Jesus is. And no one will add up, friends, okay? Nobody will. But let's have a picture of what we could be like. That, that love, that 1 Corinthians 13 love, that love waits, it's patience, it's, it's kind, it does not keep any records of wrongs. That's why when we fight, it's not, it's not helpful to say, well, you did this about five years ago. That's not God's love. He doesn't bring our sin up before us every time. When we repent, it's instant. Bow, gone, forgiven. Consequences, the reality of our sin, might have to work through it. But the grace and forgiveness, clean slate. Wow, clean slate. That's how good the gospel is. So how do we be intentional? How do we date with intentionality? How do we even state if I'm single, I'm being intentional, I'm letting people know around us? Let, let, that simple thing is communicate that. And here, here, here's a good uh, list real quick. If you're looking for maybe your dream date, uh, dream person, uh, I would love to teach on weeks of this, but I remember praying to, to I remember thinking, okay, I'm, I think my ex-girlfriend and I should be together forever. And, 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 and I'm so grateful God didn't answer my prayers because he knew that I should be with Crystal. So if you get the point there, Sometimes our signals get a little cross-wired. So we need to pray, not our will be done, but God's will be done. 
And this one's tough. But I think, I, I know, and I know God, whoa, 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 whoa. Let God be God. He's really good at it. But here's a good filter. Number one would be, where is the individual at with Christ? Well, I'm going to save them, you know? Like God sent me to save them. I'm going to save them. Where are they at with Christ? Secondly, where are they at in the community with Christ? Like, is it a community decision? And third would be, is there some form of mission? You don't have to be perfect, but to say that there's some mission involved. I loved when I first called Crystal's dad, or actually, well, her dad called us, and he was like, I want to speak to him. It was God's grace for me. He got me on the phone. He said, oh, you're hanging out with my daughter. I was like, yeah, yeah, hanging out. Um, well, my friends are here. We're not alone or anything, you know. And uh, he goes, well, uh, what's, I heard you're a preacher. I was like, oh, well, I'm missionary, music missionary. And uh, he goes, all right, what's the Ten Commandments? <laughs> I got through like six. He was like, okay, that's good enough. Uh, why? I had, I didn't, but it was a blessing. I remember she had a curfew. That was so new to me, but it was a blessing. Those boundaries were blessings. They were blessings. Did we do everything perfect? Not at all. But Christ was easy to understand. The community, that was like her dad picking up the phone. The third, there was mission. And the last would be just some financial integrity. Marriages break down more um, because of money than any other reason. So just some financial integrity. So then how do we get ready for this? Worship team, if you come up, I think the Lord wants to do a lot of work here and I'll give us a few practical things. But, but most importantly, what I want to happen at the end of today is to reset any level of shame. Any level of embarrassment, guilt, mistakes, whatever it may be, all the junk and say, you know what, God, I, 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 wanna, I wanna learn the first love the right way. I don't want Hallmark's picture. I don't want Victoria's Secret's picture. I don't want Disney's picture. I want God's heartbeat for me and for everyone else. Um, I won't read the passages, but there is, um, you can write it down. You can read it later. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 17 through 20. And it says that God, um, to, it talks about how we commit, every other sin is outside the body, but sexual sin is, is to our own bodies. It's against the Lord. And the complexities of that is quite, quite long, but we find ourselves all broken with that. And, but he says to flee, flee sexual sin. So one of the principles is we gotta run, run away from it quick. This is every person's battle. Maybe you've heard of the book of every woman's battle or every man's battle. This is called every person's battle, period. Very hard to stop. But the last point I would love to end this with is this. You know how we were back in the garden? The first love story, naked and felt no shame? Well, the story of sin enters in the next chapter where they eventually get clothed and they're filled with shame because they made mistakes. And it altered the course of all of humanity.
of what we see. We see brokenness everywhere. Maybe you felt the, the brokenness of sexual sin firsthand, felt it internally. Maybe you found yourself as somebody who has m- led people to those things. I find myself not only victim, but also somebody who was wrong. And then how do I start to reshape? Well, here's what Jesus' love does. Jesus' love, it covers. It gives us a safe place to be naked again. Not like your weird experience at your local um, workout facility where they're just a little too comfortable with being naked. Dude, put a towel on. You're weirding me out, bro. And I wonder if that's just like this weird response like in the face to God, be like, whatever, I'm not ashamed. I'm like, dude, it's called strategy. There's a towel, bro. And if you're like that at home, dude, help his. We got to talk to him. I don't know what the girls' locker room, I heard it's worse. I heard it's worse. <laughs> this shouldn't be hard to talk about. It's just, even if I got to make fun, make fun of myself, I won't even always be politically correct, but creating a safe space because First Peter says this, above all, Maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sin. All the sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. The love of God is here right right now. The love of God is here to pick up every one of our broken pieces. The love of God is here to do all of the repair. If there's more broken pieces, that just means the potter can make more beautiful things with all of our pieces. When, when we felt that we were all alone, we felt that, that there were shadows hiding us, we felt, no, God's love will find us. That is the reckless love of God. It breaks off every barrier, finds us where we feel like we're filled with shame. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I made these mistakes. I, I, and then we start to blame it on somebody else or, or, or how we heard the story as a kid or I didn't have this instead of just saying, God, I'm sorry. I want to do it your way. And now if we don't believe God, well, then at some level, there's no conviction. Like, hey, by all means, that's you. But, but I feel a deep reverence to say, I, I have seen my brokenness. I have seen my sin. And I know, man, I need God. So here's the image as we close. And we're going to worship. And I believe supernaturally, God is going to hit the reset button in our lives. He's going to start to reshape, reframe for us in the room, us at home. And he's going to do a, a great work. He's going to do a great work where we're going to start to have conversations with our kids and not just hand them a bag of condoms. We're going to start to say, hey, here's what God says. We're not going to shame people and say, run away from all these things. Just make sure you have filters on your computer. Man, let's go back to the first love story where it was good. We needed a helper. We were one and we were naked and we were unashamed. God is big enough to give us vision, not just fear us or shame us into obedience. He loves us into obedience. His kindness leads us to repentance. He's so good like that. But the heaviness I feel in this moment is a heaviness not from God. It's a heaviness from our sin. It's a heaviness from all the broken pieces. It's a heaviness to feel that we're so alone or we don't add up and we don't know if anybody will ever love us the way that God loves us. But here's how we get healthy. We get healthy to make healthy decisions by being uprooted with God. He's our taproot. He's our center. And we are not like the rose. Maybe you've heard that illustration, like the preacher, you pass around the rose and everyone takes a piece of it. And that's like when we give away parts of ourselves to somebody else. And he's like, look, keep yourself pure pure, because by the end, there's no more parts of the rose. That's a horrible illustration. Here's why. 
because we're all dead in sin. Our sin gave away every part of our rose. Whether we come to the Lord with a million sins or one sin, we are all separated. And Jesus Christ is the only rose who rose from the dead. And every time he gives us a perfect brand new rose, that anyone who's in Jesus Christ is a brand new creation. This is why your sins of yesterday can be brand new and forgiven right here, right now. Right here, right now. Will you close your eyes? Will you just ask the Lord, where am I at, God, with this? Where's my brokenness? Say, God, forgive me. The gospel of grace is not about how good we can be. We declare right now that we build our relationships on God's love, on God's grace, on Jesus' victory alone. I can't do it, but Jesus already did. He loves us so much. He'll find us no matter where we're at. You can sit, you can stand, you can cry. Workers, you could come up to the front if, and you could just get at the altar and sing the song as a prayer, a prayer of purity, a prayer of newness, and a prayer of we are one with our first love. Let's sing this. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.